Hey, good morning, everybody. It is uh, Randy here from Made Free Church. And uh, just uh, as you can see, I don't have my green screen up today. I I didn't want to uh, set it up this morning. I was being kind of, you know what I mean? So praise God, man, you're here at six o'clock in the morning. And God is so good, guys. God is so good. And let me turn this down. Um, What an amazing morning, man. You know, being able to get up and start worshiping God. And so today we're going to go, um, we're going to be, we're going to, we're going to listen about what Paul says about fleeing from sexual immorality. Now, sexual immorality is not only prominent in the pagan world and in the world that we live in, but it's also dominant in the church. You know, you may not think that, but it, it truly is. It truly, truly, truly is. So you know, uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about is that we're going to be in, in, in first Corinthians six, we're going to be in verses 12 through 20. So if you guys want to open up your word, go right ahead. Um, that's first Corinthians six, 12 through 20. Let's get into prayer first though. Heavenly father, we just want to say thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. Thank you that we get to get up in the morning and worship you, God. You're an amazing dad. We love you. We worship you and we praise your holy, holy name. Lord, get me out of the way and put your word in the forefront of these people that are going to be listening, that are listening now, Lord. We love you, we worship you, and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So guys, um, just a couple announcements before we get started. Guys, if you guys need oh, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. We have a whole team set up that uh, prays over your prayer requests daily. Um, and uh, we're a praying church, we're a giving church, we're a loving church, and uh, so guys, if you guys need prayer, we have a, a prayer tab there, fill it out. Now, if you guys want one of our pastors, myself, or uh, one of our intercessory prayer team uh, to call you to pray with you, we can do that too, uh, but we can only do that in the confines of the United States, so if you live in Canada, if you live in Mexico, or across the big pond in Europe and stuff, we're not going to be able to call you. But we encourage you to leave your prayer request in the prayer request box so we can pray for you. Also, um, guys, um, the comment boxes are up. So if you want to leave a comment, and this is to the people that are on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, go ahead and just uh, leave your comment in there. But if you give StreamYard access to um, uh, to your, your profiles, whatever your platform that you're on, I'll be able to see your name and I'll respond to you in kind. So let's get in this. Let's really, really get in this. So open up your word to, um, to 1 Corinthians 6. And we're going to be in chapter, uh, we're going to be in chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. Um, so we're going to continue our, our study in the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians in a series that I'm calling Challenges That Christians Face. One of the challenges that Christians face is the issue of sexual freedom. So um, let's learn about this in a message that I'm calling Flee from Sexual Immorality. And 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20 says this, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not are are not, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be the master by anything. Food is for the stomach, 
and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for is for the body. Now, God has raised, not only raised the Lord, but but will also raise us um, up in the uh, raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a, of a, of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that one who uh, the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her for he is for for he says the two the two shall become one flesh but the one who joins himself to the lord is one spirit with him flee from sexual immorality every other sin that man commits outside the body but the sexual immoral man sins against his own body or do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from god and that you are not your own you for you were bought with the price therefore glorify god so there's a there's a book that you all need to read and it's called the history of the christian church and i really hope that you do you will discover that the church has not always behaved well. And we see this today inside the churches. People are sexually immoral. People are liars. People are just about themselves and, and stuff like that, right? And this is what Paul's talking about. Um, so, you know, what you will discover in that book is that Christians throughout the ages have engaged in practices that would be considered uh, that were considered acceptable in their day, though uh, they were following Christ. But they, but but today we realize that there were cultural blind spots, right? And and you'll find examples of this in every period of history. Um, the the you know the 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 the, the aristocrats of, of, of the, the crusades, the execution of the heretics, the wars between different de- denominations, the horror of slavery, the sin of apartheid, and, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And you'll read these examples and, and wonder how Christians could ever justify such behavior and how the church could ever have endorsed these horrific practices. The fact is, is that God's people have been behaving badly ever since the beginning. And this letter uh, to the church of Corinth, the Apostle Paul addressed the cultural blind spots in that church. And he wrote about the practices visiting religious prostitutes. See, Corinth was well known in the ancient world for widespread prostitution. In Paul's day, prostitution was often associated with pagan religious practices. The temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love and beauty, stood on the highest peak overlooking the city of Corinth. Thousands of female prostitutes who served there and uh, contributed to the Corinth's reputation of immorality. The word Corinthianized describes prostitution that was going on in Corinth. 
The, see, the pagans believed that practicing in these religious prostitutions promised good fortunes and blessings from the gods. And some in the church were convinced that religious prostitution was benefit for their spiritual lives as they continue to continue the practice. From our modern outlook, it is hard for us to believe that any Christian would think that this was okay. And yet, that's exactly the situation the Apostle Paul was dealing with when he wrote to the Corinthians. And so may we not have a particular uh, uh, cultural blind spot in our modern day, but we do have our own blind spots. By looking at what Paul said to the Corinthians about their cultural blind spot, we can learn how to deal with our own blind spots. So in today's lesson, uh, we're going to learn about the evils of sexual sin. You know, a lot of, of churches, they don't talk about sexual sin. They don't. Um, and it's sad. You know, they, they'll, they'll, they'll briefly say something. But this is literally, you know, uh, we're going to talk about it today, this morning. So um, I'm going to do the following outline that I took from, from John MacArthur's uh, commentary on 1 Corinthians, right? So one, sexual sin harms, and that's in 12a. And then sexual sin controls in 12b. And then sexual sin perverts, uh, verses 13 through 20. So first, let's, let's look at how it harms a person. Paul said in verse 12a, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. That statement is all things are lawful for me may have been a common slogan in the Corinthian church. But as commentator Gordon Fee says, the source of this slogan is debatable. It is possible that the, the Corinthians had turned one of Paul's statements into a slogan to justify their sexual sin. But see, if that is the case, they had misunderstood how Paul used the statement. Paul would have meant all things are lawful for me in Christ for Paul, the, the quali qualification would have applied that we call uh, a diaphora. That's, that is the things indifferent or non-essentials and not, and, and not to biblical ethics. So the, 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 a defiora refers to things or actions that in themselves are neither immoral or uh, nor uh, immoral or non-moral or neither command or forbidden by scripture and thus it may be permitted for Christians. And so it refers to such things as what one could eat, where, or how one observes certain days and so on, right? With regard to biblical ethics, the ESV Bible states, from the beginning of the Bible to the end, God gives people specific instructions on how he wants them to conduct their lives. The study of these instructions and their wise application of life is known as discipline of biblical ethics. So Paul was saying with regard to um, a de Fiora, a Christian is free to do whatever he or she wants to do in this regard. All things are lawful for me, right? 
However, with regard to biblical ethics as Christians, we must do what God has commanded in his word. Uh, we cannot do what God has forbidden. And clearly God has commanded that sexual activity outside the bonds of marriage between a man and a woman is forbidden. God said in Exodus 20, 14, you shall not commit adultery. That general prohibition covers every area of sexual sin. Now, Paul continued in verse 12a that all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Paul's saying <clears throat> that with the regard to uh, a deophora, uh, even though he is free to do what he wants to do, not all things are helpful. That means that some things may not be helpful to himself and to others. While a person may be free to eat certain foods, it may not be good for his health. Or while a person may be free to drink certain drinks, it may not be good for others and so on. Paul addressed, well, an example may, uh, may be that alcohol. You know, Christians are free to drink alcohol. They, they are. But it may not be helpful to do so in the presence of someone who's an alcoholic, right? Paul addressed the whole issue later in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 23-31. And he also addressed it in the letter to the Romans. Suffice it to say that with the regard of Aphrodora, right? Even though things may be lawful for Christians, they may not be helpful for others. That word I have a hard time with because it's Greek. And I probably said it like wrong six times, so bear with me. So with, with regard to sexual sin, it harms. Sexual sin harms every conceivable way. As Pastor, uh, Pastor uh, John MacArthur says, the involvement of illicit sex leads to loss of health, loss of possessions, and loss of honor and respect. Every person who continues in, su in, in, in such sins does not necessarily suffer all those losses, but those are the type of losses that persistent sexual sin produces. And second, notice that sexual sin controls. In verse 12b, that's the middle of the verse. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Paul repeated this slogan, all things are lawful for me, but this time he says, he will not be enslaved by anything. See, Paul would not become enslaved to anything or anyone other than Christ. You know, and, and he did not want to become enslaved to sin. As he, as he wrote in Romans 6.14, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Right? And John MacArthur says that no sin is more enslaving than sexual sin. The more one indulges in sexual sin, the one the, the more one is enslaved by it. Often it begins with a small indulgence, right? Um, and then it leads to greater indulgence until one is enslaved by it. You know, we've all gone through it. We've all... You know what I mean? Especially, you know, 
we, we all have. I know I have. And it, it, it devastated me. You know what I mean? It really, really, really did. Even in my walk. You know what I mean? But God had other things. Uh, some of you may remember Ted Bundy. He was the infamous serial killers that killed as many as 50 young women. On the day before his exer execution in, eight, in 1989, Dr. James Dobson interviewed Bundy. Dr. Dobson uh, asked Bundy to explain what happened to him. See, Bundy said that he grew up in a wonderful Christian home with two dedicated, loving parents with four other siblings. As a young teenager, he encountered pornography at a local grocery store and <coughs> in other people's garages. After a while, Bundy said, you look for more potent, more explicit, more graphic kinds of material. Like an addiction, you keep craving something which gives you a greater sense of excitement. See, Bundy was describing what the psalmist described a thousand years ago uh, uh, when he talked about the possession of sin in Psalm 1-1. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of scoffers. Do, do you kind of see the progression? Walks, stands, sits. So sexual sin harms and sexual sin controls, right? Notice that sexual also, that sexual sin perverts. It especially perverts God's plan and purpose for the bodies of Christians. And, and, and I want you to see, see three truths about the body of a Christian. First, the body is the Lord. Once again, Paul wrote the slogan that the Corinthians used that, that, that they said in verse 13a, which is the beginning of the verse, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for the food. From the way Paul was using the slogan, it appears that the Corinthians were saying, well, sex is no different from eating. The stomach was made for food and the body was made to have sex. See, Paul disagreed with this thinking. And, it, and it's true in eating food is, is a biological activity needed to survive. On the other hand, sex is a gift from God and to be used only as God commands. Paul asserted that despite the natural order of food for the stomach, God will destroy both one and the other in, in verse 13b. Commentator Richard Pratt notes that this, he says this, that God will destroy both food and the stomach uh, does not necessarily imply that food and stomachs will not exist in the new heavens and the new earth, but probably meant that God would destroy stomachs and food as they are now recognized and experienced. See, the body is des designed by God for much more than mere, mere, merely like biological functions. So Paul said in verse 13c, that's the latter part of verse 13, the body is meant for sexual, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So he had in mind that we are to use our bodies in such a way that God is glorified in our bodies, right? One of the reasons we are to use our bodies to glorify God is because one day we're going to receive new glorified bodies. And because 
Jesus was raised to life, we are too will be raised in our new glorified bodies to continue worshiping and serving God. That's why Paul said in verse 14, and God raised the Lord and will raise, also raise up his power, raise up, raise, raise us, raise us up in his power. So the body is for the Lord and the body is a member of Christ, right? Paul said in, in verses 15a, do you not know that your bodies are, are members of Christ. This is a really, this is a really killer statement. Paul's word words make it clear that Christians are not merely spiritually joined to Christ, but Christians are intimately joined to Christ. Even our bodies are united with him. Christians are literally Christ's body on earth, right? That is why Paul asked with shock, shall I then take members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? And his answer was like, no, never. But, and then he asked, and then, then he asked again, or do you not know that you are joined to a, if, if that, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her in verse 16a? See, sexual relationships are not casual. It involves a union between two people for it is written in, in, in 16b and Genesis tw uh, 20 to 24, the two shall become one flesh. But Paul said, he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him in verse 17. Paul's point is that a Christian who commits sexual sin involves the Lord in that sin. All sex outside of marriage is sin. But when it's committed by a Christian, it's especially irrehensible because it involves Jesus with whom the Christian is united. And when a Christian commits sexual sin with another person, he's involving Christ in that sin. That goes on with masturbation, cross-dressing, homosexuality, all that. John MacArthur notes that he said this, Christ is, not uh, Christ is not personally tainted with the sin any more that a sunbeam that shines on a garbage dump is polluted, but its reputation is dirtied because of the association. Let me, let me say that again. This is a, a quote from, from uh, John MacArthur. Christ is not personally tainted with the sin any more than a sunbeam shines on a garbage dump is polluted, but his reputation is dirtied because of the association. That's a powerful statement, guys. Right? Then Paul said it in, in verse 18b. Every other sin a person commits outside the body, right? But sexually immoral person sins against his own bodies. In contrast, every other sin, immorality, against one's own body. The meaning of these words is that is difficult to determine. Many sins, such as substance abuse, gluttony, suicide, um, have uh, a detrimental effects on the body. Paul's words did not refer to disease or other damage caused by sin. 
Instead, his words are linked to the preceding verses, a uh, preceding discussion of uh, verses uh, 12 through 17. Paul established that Christians' bodies are joined with Christ so that they become members of Christ himself. Verse 15. So sexual union with a prostitute violates one bodies by bringing into wrongful one flesh union. That means every sexual sin with another person, right? Does it matter if you're male, female, whatever it's you become one flesh outside the marriage bed and by flaunting the mystical union with Christ. See, it is in this sense that sexual immorality is a unique sin of the body. The body is a member of Christ. The body is also the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and Paul asks in verse 19, he goes, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Not only is the body of a Christian from the Lord and a member of Christ, but it is also the temple of the Holy Spirit. Committing sexual sin in a church sanctuary, as sickening as may be, would be no worse than committing the sin anywhere else. But Paul is saying that every time one commits sexual sin, it is being committed in God's sanctuary because, because that it, it's, it, it is that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now think about that. If you're having sex with a man or a woman, God is right there. Jesus is right there. The Holy Spirit's right there. And you are the church. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You commit sexual sin. It's like having sex in a church sanctuary. It's pretty deep. But that's what he's saying. Your body has one supreme purpose, which Paul stated at the end of verse 20. So glorify God in your body. And just a few chapters later, Paul wrote in, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Paul's, um, Paul calls Christians to understand that the body is for the Lord. The body is a member of Christ and the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's easy for us today to see how Christians in the past had cultural blind spots where that were, you know, actually sinful, right? But it's important to realize that we also face the same temptation ourselves. We are easily influenced by the standards of this world. And when we grow in a culture that tells us that certain practices are good and we tend to embrace these practices, even as we follow Christ, right? Then we follow the wrong cultural practice because we are in our blind, that, that we are blind to, the, to, to their evil. And let me close with, with two points of application. First, God has defined what sexual sin is. We live in a culture that's redefining sexuality to be permissible. 
you know, I, I, I watch on t- I, I go on TikTok and 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 the the things on on uh, Instagram, and you see girls flaunting it today. You know, it's today. I mean, wearing no bras, no, I wear no patties, and you know what I mean. So early, you know, uh, the United Kingdom, Peter, and and Hazel Mary Bull were found guilty in in the United Kingdom of discrimination because they allowed only married couples to share a bed in their hotel in their small hotel. A homosexual couple sued the Bulls because they would not allow them to stay in the same room with a single bed. As Al Mohler pointed out, that makes this case particularly troubling is the nature of the judge's decision. Judge Andrew Rutherford ruled that the Bulls would have to sacrifice their Christian convictions if they are to own and manage a hotel. The real bomb in the judge ruling in this in state in, in his statement was this: whatever may have been their position, been the position in past centuries, is no longer the case. That our loss, that our loss must and should automatically reflect the Judeo-Christian position. And this is a growing view all over the world. Look at our president. Look, look, look at his administration. The fact that even the world may view the Bible as inadequate or outdated, Christians must stand firm on biblical truth. God has defined what sexual sin is, and we must not allow the world to redefine it or fit it, fit any and every, and every it fit into any and every perversion in the Christian church. And Christians must affirm the sanctuary of the body. We, when we talk about our union with Christ, which is one of the blessings of justification, we are not merely in a spiritual union with Christ. Our bodies are also in union with Christ. Our bodies are good. Our bodies are holy. Therefore, sexual sin really does violate Christ Christ by involving him in our sin. So let's commit ourselves to glorifying God in our bodies. Let's stop with the perversion that we see in the church today. You know, I think it's Isaiah 3. You know, in the last days, good will be called evil and evil will be called good. All I know is, is that when people sexually have uh, have sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman it violates everything from God and you are committing sin against your body which is the sanctuary of Christ so if you're doing that today repent go confess your sin to somebody that you trust but really repent, cry out to God. Guarantee you, if you do that, things will get better for you. You know what I mean? And um, God, man, you know, I, I love the word of God. I love it. Anyways, guys, I got to get ready for work. God bless you guys. 
Um, just a couple more announcements before I go. Guys, if you guys would like to support Made Free Church in every way, shape, or form, go to madefreechurch.org. Um, we have a giving tab. There's three ways you can give. You can give through the Cash App. You can give um, through uh, our, our PayPal link, or you can give, send a check for money to order to the address that's provided on our website. And guys, we have podcasts, Made Free Church, I'm me, I'm a Reformed Pastor. We have um, podcasts all over the, if you get, if you have an iPhone, it's on, you know, you're, you're podcasting on your iPhone. If you have CastBox or whatever, it's all over. So check it out. Also, guys, um, go check out our friends at, oh, if you guys want to check out my, my, <laughs> my personal website and blog, go to ServantForChrist.com. That's Servant for Christ.com. You'll find what I believe, how I believe, and all that other stuff. And guys, go check our friends at 120Army. That's 120Army.com. They just launched a new app. So if you have an Android or iPhone, it's a great prayer app. Get involved and be a 120er. And um, guys, I want to thank you for being here today. I want to thank you for watching. God bless you guys. Um, and I want to thank all the podcasters that are listening on, on a podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. We just ask that you just bless us today, Lord, that you bless our hands and feet as we go to work, that you bless, that you just bless just our day, God. Let us focus on the things of you and just bless everyone who is going to listen and have listened, Lord. We love you. We worship you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, you guys have a great day and God bless you.